0: From those in the know to those who need to know, this is the Indie Weekly Podcast.
1: All right, welcome back to another episode of the Indie Weekly Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Coming up on this week's episode, we're sharing a conversation from one of our Indie Weekly webinars that was held back in March of this year, and it's all about digital marketing for artists. And now, if you're gonna talk digital marketing for artists, you really could hardly have done better than the panel that we lined up for this. It was an outstanding conversation with some truly insightful and practical advice as well as just a fun conversation to listen to. So I know you're really going to enjoy it. Who you'll be hearing from, in addition, of course, to host and Indie Week founder, Daryl hers is none other than Eric Alper, aka That Eric Alper. Um, if you're on social media, especially Twitter, you'd have to be under a rock um, to not know who Eric Alper is, especially if you're the kind of person that listens to a music industry podcast like this but he is one of the most prominent voices in music PR um, around Canada and really on music social media around the world. Uh, Joining Eric and Daryl is Devi Ekinon, the Senior Vice President of Marketing for Coalition Music, a really innovative company based here in Toronto. And last but certainly not least, we had Sarah Franchik, the founder of ZYK Marketing, which specializes in music marketing. So, like I said, with Daryl being joined by Eric, Devi, and Sarah, it was a hell of a conversation and one that I know will bring you a ton of value. But before we get to this week's conversation, we first have to acknowledge that the land on which Indie Week is based is the traditional territory of the Haudenosaunee, Wendat, Ashinaabe, Métis, and the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. We must also thank our sponsors and funders. Those are Slate Music, CD Baby, CMRRA, Lyric Find, Banzoogle, the City of Toronto, Global Affairs Canada, Ontario Creates, Factor, Seneca College, SEMA, SOCAN Foundation, and our newest sponsor, Cox & Palmer, who provide legal services in Atlanta, Canada. We also acknowledge that this project is funded in part by the Government of Canada. Without the support of all of them, we couldn't do the work that we do for the music community, so a big, big thank you to all those companies, organizations, and government bodies. All right, let's get to this week's conversation.
0: All right, uh, let's get this going. On DIT, we have a form when people are coming in. What do you need help with the most? And I got to say, marketing is number one all the time. Everybody's putting in marketing. How do I? It's so confusing. Digital landscape is like so many things to do. So as a result of that, that's what we're doing this week. We're talking about marketing. And that, that's how we got this uh, to this topic this week. So you can thank everybody on DIT for filling out that survey. So I'm going to start and let everybody introduce themselves and give a quick background of who they are, what they've been doing, and what they're up to now. And I'm only going to go simply just by on my screen. So first up is Eric Alper.
2: Hi, my name is Eric Alper. I've been doing publicity and public relations for the last 25 years. I've worked with artists ranging from Guar to The Wiggles to Bob Geldof, Ringo Starr, Sinead O'Connor, Randy Bachman, among others. Uh, And I work with everybody from a first Starting out my first song ever, and I'm 15 to artists that have sold 60 to 70 million albums around the world. And uh, as always, I'm happy to be here.
0: Awesome. Funny you bring up Wiggles. I'm funny now we're so old at Indie Week. We've been here almost 20 years. We always have a story. Our first employee slash intern actually did publicity for the Wiggles. So from Indie Week, went on to work with the Wiggles worldwide. (laughs) Alicia Alicia McAllister was
2: oh yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, I worked with her yeah she's great yeah yeah the Wiggles are um probably um the the funniest dirtiest um most radical group I've ever worked off the stage believe me they're they're more (laughs) punk than the sex Pistols ever were
0: wow that's crazy uh yeah so so there we go alicia is uh there would be no indie week without Alicia because she was there like day one and made this made this all go awesome thank you so much eric uh and then so we're gonna go to uh Davy Eck sorry how do I pronounce Ekinand? Sorry no
3: but close (laughs) though Daryl it's uh Davy Akinand and um I work over at Coalition Music. Uh I've been at Coalition for over 20 years now before that. uh, Used to work at uh, Feldman as well as CPI, which you guys now know as Live Nation. So I've been in the industry for a pretty long time. Um, At Coalition, I head up our marketing department and we manage artists like Our Lady Peace and Simple Plan and Preston Pablo. And then we also have a record label, um, which we have um, emerging artists like Sophia Fercasi, um, Eric Kunzo. And we also have a partnership now with Foreign Records, which is a Punjabi label based in Canada. And we also have another partner label, which is Red Music Rising, which is an indigenous label that we, um, that I help market as well. So that's me in a, a nutshell.
0: Awesome. Uh, Matt's, Matt's really cool. Uh, Red Music yes. Rising. and Love uh, him. Yeah, and I got to say, you know what, I I have such respect for coalition. Uh, You guys do it right. Uh, Very professional. Uh, Much respect. So thank you for being here.
3: Oh, thank you.
0: Awesome. And now we're going to move over to Sarah, uh, who I met, I think it was in Winnipeg uh, at a January music meetup. So uh, Sarah. My,
4: away. yeah my, my hometown of winnipeg which i'm now in toronto but uh very fond memories not of the winter but um <laughs> and not mosquitoes either <laughs> uh but yeah so my name is sarah sarah franzic i'm uh, the founder of zyk marketing uh we're a digital marketing agency for musicians uh independent artists um we work with uh all of you know the, the spectrum and the rainbow of the the industry, um, work with Eric quite a bit on, on projects. Um, so yeah, so we specifically uh, dive into uh, social digital strategy, content strategy, uh, digital advertising, uh, playlisting opportunities for artists, playlisting campaigns, as well as uh, radio promotion as well, in some uh, Canadian radio opportunities. So uh, our, our main goal is to really help artists, Uh, discover, find, and capture uh, the audience that they're looking to engage with and target. Um, And yeah, exciting to chat more about digital strategies.
0: Awesome, thank you so much. And uh, there's been people joining us. So if you're just joining us, uh, please let us know where you're tuning in from. We're really curious to know where you're at. And if you scroll up, there's people from around the world tuning in today, which is awesome. And the other thing I also wanna make sure everybody knows is uh, just as speakers gave a little bit about themselves. You can give a little bit about yourself in the chat as well. It's about building community here and uh, sharing information and connecting. Now uh, to get things started, so digital marketing is such kind of a broad topic, and uh, you know, there's you mentioned radio, and there's also like print and sort of old school methods. Uh, let's sort of define what digital marketing is uh because there's so many buckets to kind of go through but let's let's at least give some of the options so eric i got to just keep going in the same order uh eric so if you can give us a little bit of what's digital marketing
2: yeah i mean to me digital marketing um is is a lot different than uh, than regular pr- publicity or promotion, um, public relations is normally I'm the liaison between the artist and the media. So that could be um, the TV station, the radio station, the print outlets, the Spotify playlisters that are connected to um, to a media outlet. Digital marketing um, runs the gamut of everything from an artist doing a post on Facebook or TikTok or Twitter or Instagram uh, and boosting the post. Who are you sending it to? Who is your audience? Um, You know, it's funny when, if you've ever watched American Idol and Simon Cowell always says, I don't know who you are. The reason why he says that is because he doesn't really know how to market whatever is up there on that stage. Um, And digital marketing with the algorithm that works solely against most things um, because of Facebook. Look, in, in with Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, any social media platform, it's solely designed to make money off of you, your hard work as an artist. If the platform is free, you're the one that's being sold. And so when you spend hours and hours and hours building up your fan base, and only 10%, if you're lucky, of your fan base is seeing that post. That's why Facebook wants you to spend the money, is because they're saying, you know, you need to spend a dollar for every 100 people that you want to reach. So, digital marketing to me is is kind of bypassing the traditional um, gatekeepers that we all used to hold dear and still do, um, but it's going directly into the fans. Um, what time zones you're playing with what content do they like do they like live stuff do they like acoustic do they just want the video do they like q a's and people like myself and sarah just like all day long just come up with ideas on on what these artists can do to move them away from i've got a new single or i've got a new video because frankly nobody cares about that it's the story behind it that we're all interested in and digital marketing um, can make that happen for you.
0: Wow, yeah, you're talking my language. Uh, I say this stuff every day, all day long, it seems like. But uh, uh, I wanna ask Davey, um, one thing that caught my attention that Eric said, and I kinda wanna pose this question to you, it sounds like publicity and marketing are two different things. And I think that a lot of times artists are like trying to do the same, like publicity. For instance, Eric, you're pitching to to get stories and things like that. But marketing is pushing outward on socials and and such. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of throwing that question to you, Davey and, and
3: okay, well. The way I, I see marketing is sort of like the umbrella and everything is a pillar underneath it. So press comes into play, content strategy, ad, ads as well. So everything is kind of the umbrella under uh, marketing. And like for us, I mean, marketing even starts even, sorry, digital marketing even starts way before an, a release is on, on the horizon. Because our whole point is to build community first, building an audience for an artist, um, making sure that we know once we get to a release pattern, who we're targeting. Um, I know like right now we have um, a legacy artist that we're working with, and she's been away from social media for like 15 years. So we're starting at zero across all of our social platforms, which is a very difficult, <laughs> difficult task. But you know we have some social media managers here. And you know, when you're talking about digital strategy, you need to be talking about content and it's vertical content that wins so we can't have any conversation about without the artist being involved in in digital content anything from like pre-save call to actions to day of a day of release videos to what are we doing after and that's where i find a lot of our artists get stuck and like eric and and sarah know i we do sit around and have two or three pages of brainstorm notes about what kind of content we can keep on uh, creating. That's not a hard sell for the artist, but something that they enjoy doing too. Cause I think that's another thing where you'll see a lot of artists have burnout because they feel like all they're doing are is, is pushing their single and buy now and make sure you stream this and pre save that. So we want to make sure that we're creating, um, a community that the artist is part of as well. And I think, um, you know, especially when I look at um, the artists that we manage, um, I feel like a lot of their fans feel like the artist is being their authentic self and not being sales pitchy about things. So um, it, it's a long journey to create digital con uh, content and keep on moving that forward. But, uh, you know, with the right team and with the right attitude, it can be done.
0: Yeah, and, and you know what? It's like, uh, I think a lot of people have an artist businesses have always kind of put up this front. And and, you know, the more you are genuine, the more you are a person, the more actual response I find you'll get. Uh, because you're genuine. And I think a lot of people put up a front. In the old days, it was like the rock star attitude sells was what sold it, and that sort of myth oh my God, that person has done so many things like Aussie, you know, uh, for instance, but those days are kind of gone. And the more of a person you are, I think that's where you're going to actually connect and build that community. Uh, Would you agree with that?
3: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, And I think that's where, again, when content comes into play, where it's authentic. So instead of, you know, selling someone to stream your song, let's tell a story about the song. How did it form? Like, what, what's the meaning behind the song? Can we do something else with that song? Maybe it's a really earnest acapella version or live off the floor version. So it's just, again, it's trying to create content that speaks to people in, in different ways instead of just always after the hard sell of a track.
0: Yeah, I can't tell you the number of direct messages I get. Here's my song. And I'm like, I don't know who you are. Here's my song. Yeah. I still don't know who you, you you are. And and often it's just delete because there's not enough time to take into that when there's so many other things going on and there's so much noise and such. Um, Thank you for that. And I think I know who you're talking about. I think I've seen that socials activate there. So I think I know who you're talking been about.
3: been about six weeks. Next week's a big week.
0: Yep. <laughs> uh, awesome. Uh, Sarah, so talking about content and such, how far out should you be planning to start releasing content? Because I think that that's another huge area that I see done incorrectly. Like, hey, my single's coming out Thursday. And I'm like, I just found out about it today. It's not enough time uh, to react to it almost. So so how far out should people be thinking about starting to post and kind of ease it a bit?
4: You know what? I think that really depends on what your strategy is at the end of the day, because I have seen some good campaigns that just like, uh, I would say probably from artists that are slightly more established, though, uh, that just drop on the day and then make a big bang, and ha- but have a really good post-release strategy. Um, and that's that's okay too, potentially in some instances, but I would say for, you know, developing independent artists that are really, you know, really growing a fan base and, and wanting to potentially bring that uh, audience along with them, initially really start creating an earworm with their song and familiarity with it, uh, you can do so and you can, uh, you know, you can um, tease content beforehand for two weeks, even to a month in advance, if you like. Um, sometimes we also recommend to start uh, teasing you know, the audio and your music, say, uh, way before you even announce that the song is going to come out. Uh, and that way you can build a little bit of momentum. Again, we create a bit of an earworm with people, get them excited to uh, to potentially hear, uh, you know, a, a finish produced version and then that's when you can drop say a pre-save campaign or drop the announce and and uh and and then you know get get that momentum towards the release. So it with that being said, let's say 2 to 4 weeks you're starting to uh drop content and and tease and release. So that means that you need to start planning your content strategy before that. <laughs> before that and that and it takes time to create a content plan and a strategy to 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 brainstorm those many sheets of ideas, obviously, um, to build out a content calendar, to, to film, to logistically figure out what you want to do. Um, what's really helpful nowadays, obviously with the vertical video content, which is such a priority on, on platforms is that you can film with your phone with your iPhone, totally acceptable, totally great. The days of music videos potentially dwindling a little bit, um, But, uh, but uh, so you can definitely pre-film and and pre-edit and whatnot quite a bit beforehand. Um, I would suggest as well with, with any song you potentially have, uh, when you obviously have your, your, your finished, uh, track to, um, you know, when you're listening and potentially do some some uh, market research with some uh, people that you trust, uh, listen to the song and find little parts of the song that, uh, that are, again, little earworms, little hooks that you think can be quite engaging. Perhaps there's three parts of the song that you think could be quite good. Uh, and then create multiple versions of those pieces of the song uh, perhaps filming in different locations, different settings, um, really, uh, like Debbie said, like diving into that, the story behind it, the mood, uh, theme um, of the song with those little earworms, uh, those little maybe 30 second clips that, um, because we're it's very again very much short vertical video content that we're dealing with on Reels, TikTok, YouTube Shorts, um, so really pinpoint those areas and create multiple versions with the same audio clips, and that's potentially quite a few posts to roll out to tease as well as post release.
0: That's a lot of great information, and uh, I, I've seen artists go as far as six to eight months posting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Teasers, you know, even like in the studio and that just sort of, Oh, you're making music. Oh, be playing an acoustic guitar. Here's the hook, but that's it. You know, like there's so much that an artist can do that's organic. Like they don't have to work really hard at. Um, I, I have to put my CD baby hat on and just to add one thing is that uh, one of the things I've been talking to artists about is to get most out of like a priority release, which means that, hit single that they they think as opposed to all the songs is that you could do potentially eight releases off of that one song, which really lengthens out the promotion of that one song. Uh, In my day, there was a radio edit, no guitar solos, get to the chorus, don't bore us, that kind of thing. Uh, But you could do a TikTok edit. Now you could do the full length edit. That's three without doing much work. Instrumental, just mute the vocals. Now you got four. Do an acoustic version. You've got five. Get somebody in another country or a DJ to remix it. Now you've got a remix version. Then you can go and do a collaboration where somebody else is singing on it in another language. And and you could do definitely a live version, possibly. So you've got eight and you could stretch that over 16 months and pitch to playlists all the time. Um, and algorithms on Spotify like it when you're releasing a lot. That's one thing. And so I think a lot of people think they just got to keep new song, new song, new song. And they're just struggling to do that and market not enough time to market because I need a new song. And I think it becomes a juggle. So same song. Priority release, spread it out over time. And and the one thing with the instrumental music supervisors like instrumentals, just if you're looking for a sync placement too. So that's my CD Baby hat to contribute a little bit. Um, Eric, I want to ask you, if anybody's seen Eric on Twitter, he is like the master on Twitter. I don't know how you do it, Eric. Uh, You've got stuff coming. There's probably a tweet that just happened right now. I saw Eric with his phone. There's probably a tweet that just went out. Um, So, Eric, how are you managing all of this content going out consistently on your channel?
2: Well, I'm about to reveal something that nobody's really ever said before. Um, There's multiple universes that we're all living in. And each one of us um, know. Um, Well, basically, um, I learned really, really early on about uh, a program called Hootsuite. And Hootsuite was a free program. Now you have to pay for it. Uh, And it allows you to set up unlimited posts to LinkedIn, Facebook fan pages, Facebook regular, uh, Twitter and TikTok and Instagram. Um, I post the exact same things of what I do um, when I had like four followers as what I do now when I have whatever, 800,000, whatever it is now, Um, which, um, which is what I tell all the bands is that you know, when it comes to digital marketing, part of the 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 part of the battle of, uh, okay, I'll back up. The reason why the major labels of Sony, Universal, and Warner originally first bought 15 and percent of Spotify wasn't just so that they can jam the 3000 internal plays that, that Spotify had. Although that, that was a really good reason to. They wanted the data and the data would tell them literally by a postal code who was listening to their music, how many times and where they were based where your audience is based is so extremely important. And that's where Hootsuite comes in. There's things that I post about and I talk to artists about this, that if you post something at nine o'clock in the morning on Instagram, you post the exact same thing at three o'clock in the afternoon and you post the exact same thing at 11 o'clock at night, you're gonna get three completely different audiences because some people are only checking their phones on social media uh, on a certain period of time. If you're from the West, coast and you want to attract the music industry well you've got to play in eastern time because we're all here in toronto i know a couple of artists that during covid when they were doing concerts and they're still doing those online concerts um they realize that half their audience is overseas so they're starting their concerts at midnight because they're playing five to six hours ahead of time or that they're just taping it but then they're releasing it at one o'clock in the morning, which. If you're in Toronto, it looks really strange. But if you get down in that marketing side of it, um, it's not strange at all. So it it really comes down to what what you know what the other two brilliantly said. It's once you have that content, once you have um, the the ideas that it's not just about your song. Um, once you start splicing it up, you can sp- easily set up your whole week and never even think about it yeah you can go and you can comment and you can respond back to people for sure um but you know between six in the morning and 7 30 in the morning every morning i'm setting up my whole day and i don't look at it because uh, i because it just drives me mad um if i started looking at comments because yeah. i'm never as bad as people say but i'm never as good as people say i am either so um the, the setting up posts is it works really, really well. And it also gives you a little bit of insight into what's reacting well, what may not be, just based on numbers. But just always keep in mind as an artist, you're never going to figure it out. You'll never, ever figure it out. If you're a country alt-rock artist in the way of Wilco or anybody like that, and then you choose like-minded artists to Boost your post to so fans of Steve Earle and then fans of, of Hardy and fans of this and that. Uh, one's going to work better than the other, but it might have been the time zone. It might have been the day that Donald Trump gets arrested, like, and people are all on that. Like, you never know what it's going to be. So there's there's teams of people at major labels in every country whose job it is is to sift through that data and figure it out you're not going to be able to figure it out and that's okay just keep creating keep doing just don't be boring and keep up and nobody has ever look i post 52 times on on facebook and twitter not one person has ever said to me dude you're posting too much nobody because nobody cares like just do it just post you know Share the love, share your experiences, just do it.
0: And we'll be back. Hey, listener, you're listening to our podcast, which is a recorded session from one of our other online sessions. Every Tuesday, you can tune in and be part of it at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and that is Toronto time. For those of you listening in from different parts of the world, uh, it's our Indie Weekly and that means we talk with music industry professionals, artists, all about the music business. That's a great way to connect with others as we have people tuning in from around the world. We encourage dropping links, sharing, DMing, making real connections, while learning about the music industry and uh, hearing from music industry professionals. So once again, that's Indie Weekly, every Tuesday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's Toronto time. And to sign up, just head over to IndieWeek.com and all the information is there. And we're back. I, I, don't, I don't know how many times in a day I say, nobody cares. And and I often find the thinking of the details is what holds you up from just, look, I could have just posted. I was thinking about it, but I could have just done it and be be over it. So I think that that's one thing is like, yeah, you got to plan it, but you also have to execute and and like get to execution so yeah post and and uh something that's really interesting is i saw in our data i find people are engaging with us more between seven o'clock to one in the morning seven o'clock at night to one in the morning and ticket sales sunday nights seems to be a good time for us to sell tickets so uh Big part is when you take that data, you look at it, you go, okay, well, maybe that's when I start posting more. That's when I'm going to start sending newsletters more, and and you can start seeing if does it actually affect it. Do things go down? Now you can kind of do thing with some some education behind it. Data is super important, and um, one tool that we highlighted at Screen by Screen is Chart Metric. And uh, Chartmetric is a great tool for data. So helps you helps you get access to it and dissect it. So I think that's another part. And and maybe maybe we could talk a little bit about data. You like talking about data? Maybe we could talk oh. about data.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I love talking about data, but it also is the, you know sometimes problematic in my world too (laughs) because you are judged by your data you are judged by your data but like you said i mean we use chart metric all the time i just dropped another um website that we're starting to use called sound charts which is um gives you an idea about your radio airplay around the world if you subscribe to it but it's it's a nice um screen capture and if you can't a forward chart metric. A lot of this is free on sound charts, and you can do um, artist comparisons as well. Um, aside from chart metric, we're always looking at the back end of Spotify. We're always looking at the back end of YouTube, particularly for our Punjabi artists, because, and again, I, I don't know if this has been mentioned, there is a platform that is more appealing to certain territories around the world. So for us, for India, for instance, if we're doing Indian music, YouTube is number one. If we are targeting Brazil, YouTube is number one. But if we're looking at Europe, specifically France and Germany, Deezer is their number one um, streaming. So you, you should be aware of those kind of things, those nuances, because just because you don't see success on Spotify for an artist, doesn't mean that it's not qualifying somewhere else. Um, but yeah, data is very important. Um, it helps us figure out our touring, a route, a routing to see if there's a demand for an artist to go to a certain territory it also lets us know if a song that we've released is doing well what we can do to maybe uh, figure out what the um, like if we're looking at trying to appeal to uh, let's uh, here I'm going to back up so if we have an artist and we think their demographic is the 18 to 25 but if you looked in on the back end of Spotify or metric, you'll see that it's really 35 and 45. You'll have to pivot your strategy only if that's the audience that you want. If it's not the audience you want, then you'll have to pivot your strategy of what kind of content you're creating, what kind of music you're creating. Um, so it really does inform us about a lot of things for our artists. And I also find that it's kind of fun to go down a rabbit hole myself. like. I can spend hours upon hours on just one song of an artist to fit and, and try to map out all of the different pieces of the puzzle. So I'll give you an example. So we have an artist. Um, so we released a song at the top of January and it was, it's not a radio single but we put it out there, it followed a really big single. And we're seeing things pop up in Indonesia and the Philippines and Germany and France. And we're just trying to piece all those things together. And then I think maybe Daryl, you might've you might have spoken about this before, but it's again, uh, elongating that cycle. So if we know that we are captivating people in Indonesia and the Philippines and France, Let's look at working with a featured artist in that and think about collaborating with them, whether it's a song, whether it's a remix, or maybe there's an opportunity for us to even just to do an Instagram live with somebody that's of equal value for both countries. So again, data is really important to sort of inform you about what your content strategy is, because I think I had, had said this at the beginning, a lot of people don't focus on what to do after a release and there's so much more things to do like a single to us is not dead after a week we still can work it for you know three or four months sometimes even a year depending on how strong that song is
0: yeah i want to expand on that part a little bit because you're right so many people go it's out and they can play some shows yeah that's it and then they're already like what's the next thing and what's And there's not enough time to market that even. Uh, So just a few sort of bullet points. What are some things that can happen after a release?
3: Well, um, depending on what your strategy has been, if radio was a crucial part of that, um radio is notorious for hanging on to a track (laughs) more than three months sometimes almost a year depending on how hot that track is um also touring like what we try to do as well if an artist if we know that an artist is going out on tour let's maybe schedule a release around that or at least a like a a single that goes to streaming, not a, a radio single, but something to keep people's attention on the artist. And then that's also something new for the artist to talk about and perform at these shows. So we're again, we're always kind of thinking about how how these points can help us inform decisions.
0: Yeah. And it's almost like uh, everybody has to be their own reality show a little bit. You got to walk it around, have cameras capturing and talking and like it's it, you're just creating content that is sharing the story about it, right?
3: Yeah, but I also do want to back up because I know that a lot of artists have anxiety about creating content all the time and putting that camera up in their face. Um, What we try to do, especially for our older legacy artists, is we schedule like a content day maybe every two or three months we schedule an afternoon we have an idea of what we're capturing that time um it's usually about 20 to 30 pieces because again speaking to what sarah's saying we're only looking for 30 second pieces and they they don't need to be scripted out we're not like news you know thirty rock or anything like that <laughs> we're just looking for content to help propel the song um but yeah that helps us a lot because then the responsibility is off of that artist and more on our team to create content that's engaging. And also like for community managing too, because, you know, especially where you're looking at a, a platform like TikTok, um, people come into TikTok, not linearly, like it's, it's, you could put something up three months ago and it, for some reason, the algorithm picks it up and serves it up to you. But what we try to do is when we see that happening, we want to answer that video that might be served up and getting a resurgent with newer material. So we don't lose the attention of people that it might might have forgotten it in their feed a few months ago. So um, community management is really important to just keep everything moving at a, at a good pace.
0: Yeah, you yeah. know what?
2: And also, I like just to add to that point, you know, sure. like I know, I, I know most artists, um, they, they all get into their heads a little bit. Um, and they all have something to say which is why that they're artists um but the fact of the matter is though you you all the artists on this thing uh on this platform right now you're so lucky to be able to do what you do and it's utterly fascinating to 99 of the planet you go to a party and you tell somebody that you're a singer or that you're a musician or that you're a drummer well you're going to be the life of the party and you're going to be the most popular person there because being in music is, is utterly fascinating to people who can't do it. So the fact is, though, that sometimes you have to just understand that revealing parts of yourself um, isn't um, isn't a bad thing. You know, like I, I know sometimes people don't, as you said, that you don't want to have that that camera up on your phone. But when you reveal who you are and you reveal everything from the struggles to mental health to filling out factor grants to coming up with this guitar lick to figuring out how to play drums to what am I going to buy all that is utterly fascinating because nobody really gets a chance to see that stuff in their miserable daily lives that they're leading away from the music industry so yeah you know pat yourselves on the back and everything but just understand that you you're doing something that like one tenth of one tenth of one percent haven't even gone to where anybody of these people are, which is essentially creating a Facebook fan page. I mean, that alone is way more than most artists ever get to that point. Even releasing a single is a huge deal and such a small percentage of, of people. So don't be afraid to show what is going on with your lives to an audience that actually not just wants it, but they not only want to see you succeed, but they're going to help you succeed. And they're going to share that stuff. It's why, and, and I, I know I've talked a lot, but it's why mental health and bullying and Black Lives Matter and um, um, and Me Too. It's why all those movements have sprouted out in the last couple of years is because people, the the the, the millennials and Gen Z, really are so far ahead of the curve than what our generation was, that they're okay with sharing this information. They're okay with spreading it. And they want to see people go through their ups and downs. And I think it's okay to show that stuff.
0: You you know, uh, so much of what you said is ringing true. Like We literally had an interview with Theo Tams, I believe it was two weeks ago. Yeah, he's great he's great. And he shared how, you know, he kind of started doing TikTok during COVID and there was a point, you know, he came, he's out in the open as being openly gay and and boyfriend getting married. Congratulations uh, this summer. And he got bullied off of one post, but other people saw that and a community rallied behind him. So at first it looked negative, but he actually all of a sudden found his community they found him and now he loves going online because he has the people that know him for who he is and exactly like you said want to support him he's he's making money off of the online platform now because his community is supporting him and also he did a video with his dog and it went viral and a lot of stuff happened and that was not planned at all. He's like literally is like his dog was sitting there a certain way. He, so he sang the Sarah McLaughlin Eda song or, or SPCA song or whatever. And he went to bed and he said he woke up and there was like thousands of views and followers 20,000 up and such. And so so it was not planned. And then it turned into like, because he originally was like, I don't know about this. I don't know if I should. And it's just like okay, this is dog. He, he wanted to capture his dog, and and now he's like really working the platform. But he's found his community, and they're supporting him. And now he's like, like it's awesome, you know. Like it's turned into a really great thing, mental health wise for him, you know. Yeah, you,
2: he, yeah, you can block people in real life.
0: Yeah. But he shares his stories. It's like his online <laughs> yep. biography journal happening. And, and it's great, you know? So he feels more comfortable than ever before. So awesome. Um, Sarah, I want to give you a chance to talk content a bit. And, and so we've talked about the data. We've talked about, you know, timelines a bit. But the content itself, you know, we just said organic is good. but um, And I really like the idea of a content day like very important i find when you bulk tasks together and get a ton done in a short period of time then you can have time to execute them because i think that's the the juggle um so let's talk about all types of content cuz you talked about verticals and 30 seconds but it and and eric's given a, a few points as well that like literally content is almost anything and and uh, it's funny like talking to theo Tams about dog but I always say hey Saturday is catterday post a cat on Saturday you'll probably get a bit more reaction off of it but what kinds of content can art like any artist can do to effectively start
4: It's a, it's a good question I think you know obviously there's there's content that you can definitely plan and then there's content that kind of spur of the moment happens like Theo Tams and 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 his dog and singing singing to his dog like i think that it's such a i remember seeing that video when he first posted it and i was like that's it's it it reactively makes you want to like hug them and anything with a dog at least for me it's just it gets me <laughs> but uh um you know, I, I think there's there's so much opportunity for to be creative with content. And I think that's, you know, when when we talk about building a content day, that's super important. Um, it's to to bank content, to bulk it up so you can, like I said before, maybe take a few different uh audio clips from your song, create multiple versions for each audio clip, and then strategically post those out on your platforms as needed. Um, the cool thing about TikTok, which I think is is it is quite interesting that you can post very similar content um, multiple times and it, it doesn't really matter because your content's kind of going out there in the world. Sometimes it catches, sometimes it doesn't. depends maybe on on the audience, on the time or or what's happening on that platform as well. But um, so you can create content that might just have slight little little tweaks, different text. It has lyrics. Uh, it has uh, like a headline, point of view. Um, maybe you're lip syncing to a song, maybe you're performing it acoustically. Um, so like you said, there's, there's so many options to have different, uh, types, different forms of a performance or content about, uh, the song. But w- what I would definitely suggest is to bring your unique creativity to your content. Um, the platforms have you know, their mandates, What what works on those, uh, on their platforms specifically, whether it's TikTok you know, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook and whatnot, but I think it's, and, and, you know, and there's trends, you know, I think, I think trends can be interesting now and then, but I wouldn't necessarily, um, promote to, to follow trends, um, uh, you know, and, and make sure you're always putting out, uh, you know, using trending audio or always putting out, um, trending type content. I definitely recommend more so to carve your own lane, and instead of thinking of content as a chore <laughs> to create which it can be over time if if you're really not enjoying it but but thinking of it as uh, as a different aspect of the creativity to your music uh it's the visual creativity component that is uh that is uh supporting your your music um and and what what i also what i always love to kind of provide my clients with is a breakdown of the content that we do want to think about creating. So there's obviously the portion of content that's going to be promotional. You're going to be promoting your music, telling people to go listen, go do this, um, go check out my merch, buy tickets to my show, whatever it is, there's going to be that promo content, but that's only about 20% of the content that you're going to be posting. The rest of it is music, brand content, lifestyle content, sharing your story uh behind the scenes like like Eric mentioned all the the behind the scenes stuff how things come to be what you're working on that is super very interesting for people to dive into and to understand the inner workings of of an artist and not everything is is rainbows and and butterflies and and ra- and roses right that it there's a lot of hard front work that goes into being a musician, being an artist, and I think it's really good to capture that side of it, that emotion, that feeling, and let people know that this is, this is what goes into to, to following this, this career, this career path. Very rewarding, but also um, quite a lot of work to do. Uh, so the balance of both pieces, the promotional as well as music brand lifestyle type content, Um, really, really important to, to make sure there, there is, there is that balance. And, and for even certain platforms, you might have a more drastic kind of separation of promo content and, or, you know, music brand lifestyle, for example, TikTok. I think that's a platform where if you're building it, you're just starting out. Um, I would recommend just not to have any content where you're telling people to go pre-save or go listen over here or whatnot. I would say just keep that platform specifically about building awareness, building community, um, providing context to your music, storytelling and whatnot. Uh, It's always a good idea to have a link in your bio, make sure that people can go find your music or go to your Instagram or YouTube channel, whatever it is. But that platform specifically is more so um, is building that awareness and community. Whereas Instagram and Facebook, for example, are, are very much the place to promote and sell and uh, make sure you are, um, you're you're getting your music out there to people and, or getting your merch, whatever it is. Um, so there can be some distinctions on these platforms based off of just the way people use it and the way people interact with it.
0: Well, um, yeah, and I wanted to ask you, Uh, because I was thinking about it as you were talking. So I think where artists would get the most out of content is making it shareable content. And uh, I'm kind of curious, do you think blogs are still relevant? Because I looked at it like this, is often we're sharing an article that someone else wrote and then somebody shares that, but that's promoting someone else's content. So for instance, ChatGPT is the big thing right now. So if an artist wrote, oh, ChatGPT affects music industry, wrote that and posted it, there's a chance somebody might like it, share it, pass it around. And so it's like they're the origin of the content as opposed to sharing somebody else's content. So uh, can you comment a little bit about that making shareable content?
4: Yeah, uh, like. I think you know on on TikTok on on Instagram as well the the stitching on on TikTok, uh, remixing, duetting those are really so finding opportunities for that so replying to other people's comp- content, creating content for then people to create their own verses to your your song, uh, to harmonize with you to duet like whatever it is there's opportunity there. To definitely create um, it, create those collaborations, create those opportunities for uh, content to be shared or to be uh, to be explored uh, with 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 you know, mul- multiple people. To have that option of uh, of building more ears and eyes to your content based off of other people sharing, and to to your fact of or to your point of blogs um, potentially. Uh, PR and whatnot. I've seen some artists do some really interesting creative or create some really interesting, uh, content where they're actually commenting on specific feedback they've had on their song or commenting on, on articles and blogs and whatnot that they've had, whether it's, you know, they're, they're sharing great news, um, you know, a shout out to, to anyone that does feature or write about their song, uh, shout out to, um, to uh, any editorial placements you might get and whatnot. That's, and making sure to tag Spotify, tag Apple, tag Amazon, YouTube, make sure to tag everyone because they are looking, they are watching. Um, Yeah, I think that's super, super important to make sure that you're you're creating content that is shareable. Uh, One of the things that I love to do with my clients is um, create an artist playlist. The artist creates a playlist on Spotify, for example. And perhaps add some context, add some songs or some some music uh, with your um, immediate similar artists in your your genre, your location area, and make sure to share it with them, tag them, so that they're they're also promoting and sharing the music, and it's a collaborative effort as well. So, anyways, there's there are multiple pieces there that that totally uh, are um, are opportunities to you know, widen the scope of, of reach and awareness and and uh, get some creativity going in terms of the content created from yours.
0: Yeah, it's, it's the, the options are endless, right? But I really like that playlist idea. Um, I used to, when, when working with bands, I'd be like, you have to do a cover because, uh, you know, you're going to get the most applause during your concert that we always did it where uh, they had to play a hit and it was the last song of the set and they always got an encore. Because the most applause at the end, it's how we always got an encore. And
3: uh, yeah, it works. It's funny. It's funny (laughs) you say about the covers, because covers are a great strategy for content Um, over here. Like we lean into covers when there's something that's big happening. Let's say like the Grammy Awards or the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Maybe there's an artist that our artist has an affinity to creating a great cover song is it you know that's a great way to sort of introduce a whole new audience to your music and there's also like a lot of podcasts out there and spotify playlists that actually feature these type of covers and music supervisors love covers as well so you know there there's opportunity there to create content but also maybe make a little money on the side too Um, I made some notes just uh, while Sarah was talking, just, uh, you know, going back to content and filming content, I think, and you probably, Sarah, you do this as well. You kind of focus on like three to five pillars that the artist is interested in talking about, not just music, but maybe they might have, you know, maybe they love fashion. Maybe they lean into thrifting. So that could be a pillar or maybe they're into skateboarding and they love like showing like, just themselves skateboarding along to their favorite tune of the week. Um, You know, there's other things that we do here where it's like, we have two producers in-house, so we do producer breakdowns. So it's actually a behind-the-song track uh, breakdown of the song and explain how that song came about. And sometimes they'll bring in another artist to sort of play with them. Um, I also wanted to talk about remixing as well. We had one of our artists, I don't know if anybody remembers... Drew Barrymore, there's a viral thing that she did where she was like laughing and playing while the, while the rain was coming, coming down. So we remixed that for an artist of ours because his song is called Flowers in the Rain. And so there's a piece of content that literally took him 10 minutes to do, not even. Um, you know, we always do tour diaries um, for a couple of our bands, going back to that whole blog thing where it's no more than a minute long, so we can cut it up for socials and vertical video, but we also have like a horizontal version to put onto YouTube. And we usually, like if anybody wants to see the full version, we kind of like point to that. And then there's another thing that we did um, with uh, Our Lady Peace, um, the last album that they just did, uh, leaned into spiritual machines and the role of AI in our world, which is so topical right now with ChatGPT and the, the singular we found a lot of articles and a lot of videos that are kind of spooky but really cool to share and people talk about it so again there's there is so many different ways to remix content to make it yours and to share with your fans
0: absolutely i just watched the tour diary video of Def leopard in brazil because i go to brazil and i was kind of curious what the reaction is to it uh so yeah it works and. And little plug, uh, we did have Rain Maida at our screen by screen conference that we talked to AI, and I believe the podcast is coming out next week. Little plug, there we go. Little plug, and, and uh, that video is probably recorded, and I could put that on Twitter tomorrow. So there we go. <laughs> uh, wow, see, time goes by really fast. I told you guys it goes by really fast here, but I want to do a quick round. Uh, what is your one? Sort of tip, best thing an artist could do right now, like literally one minute after this call, what could they do on their social right now? And uh Eric, you're in the hot seat first.
2: Um, I'll give you two really quick ones. Never forget that you have a website. Um, I, I'm really uh I'm really all about having your home be your website where you can post all these different things of what you're posting on, embedding TikTok, embedding, Instagram. Um You know, uh, uh, you know, today's TikTok was yesterday's MySpace, um, is what I always used to say. And um, uh, get rid of stories. Um, Stop posting stories on Instagram. When the media and industry go to your socials and let's say it's Instagram or it's Facebook um, and they only see story one story and it disappears after 24 hours and you haven't posted anything in 17 weeks it looks like that you died it looks like that you're not active so be aware of where you're posting these things and what's in it for them i don't want to kind of come across as cynical but stories are solely based for instagram's way to get people to come back to the to their platform every single day it's great to engage and to do that whole you got to watch this because it's going to be gone after 24 hours. But just make sure that your your socials are always up to date and make sure that your website is always up to date. There's still a lot of old people out there that run the industry and they may not be on top of TikTok as much as you think that they are, but they're going to go to the website. And uh, yeah, never lose sight of that.
0: Website is a must. And I literally just checked my, I posted four days ago, Eric. I, I was like, oh, maybe I you died. You yeah, died. I then- died.
2: You died.
0: All right. Uh, and I, I do use stories a lot. I got to say, I use stories a lot and I try to post frequently, but not too much. Um, Davey, um, your best thing that an artist can do literally right after this call.
3: Well, it's a little bit similar to what Eric just said. It's really to do a self audit. Audit all of your social platforms because we inherit so many bands that have disconnected between their TikTok, their Instagram, their Spotify. Like, I want you to just go back and look at it critically. Do I have my bios? Do I have a link tree? Do I have a link fire? Is my website up to date? Um, Do I have my profile photo consistent across all of these platforms? Do I have all the music consistent across these platforms? On my YouTube page, am I making sure that my latest video is is easy to find if somebody just discovers me on a different platform? But there's, yeah, like I, it's so frustrating that we get these a lot (laughs) where it's just like, just concentrate, focus on these and, you know, make sure that you know what the best practices are for these platforms.
0: I love that. I can't say how much I've gone to, is that guitar player still in the band? I don't know. That's a different drummer. And Like every photo on every platform was different. And I'm like, who's actually in the band right now? I don't even know. So uh, I love that. Would you say, I'm going to ask you another follow-up question to this. Would you say that that is one of the most important things before you get actually promoting is let's clean house and make sure it's all consistent?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, We take a few weeks to make sure that everything is up in order. Um, and again, because we want to make sure that it's a seamless release, there are always going to be hiccups and usually it's at the DSP. It's not mapping correctly for some reason, but as long as you're presenting the right information across all your social social platforms, people should be able to find your new release.
0: Love it. Love it. Thank you. Uh, Sarah, your best thing that an artist can do right now after this
4: call. I feel like uh, everything uh, everything that I've thought of has been said, except for one piece, which I I feel also falls under uh, digital marketing, which is your email list and email marketing. Uh, A really great resource to have, Uh, I find a lot of artists kind of just leave it to the wayside and kind of forget about it until potentially it's time to start touring and it's time to like, you know, start collecting emails. So I would say start compiling uh, an email list and think about what uh, email marketing platform you'd potentially like to use. Um, And it's, it's, you know, socials are great, but it's rented space, your email list, you can contact anytime. So I'd say that's that's definitely a priority to think about uh, building.
0: Absolutely. Like uh, we actually did this today. I uh, looked at like when we've had ticket sales, we could literally track it to, oh, an email went out within 24 hours of that sale, yeah. almost a hundred percent of the time. And uh, a lot of the talks we've had on our conferences, especially with FanZoogle and likes is, you want to actually convert everybody from social into a place you can directly communicate with them. And an email list is one of the best ways to do that. So awesome. Now I'm going to ask one more question and it's just a simply thumbs up. Yes, no, completely outside Hammond pineapple pizza. Yes or no. And that's for everybody in the audience too. If you say yes or no, Hammond pineapple pizza, Eric, yes or no. Get
3: the fuck out of here.
0: <laughs> I, I think that's a that's a. Strong, it's a truly
3: Eric. Canadian invention. Why aren't you behind <laughs> it, Eric? Oh my God, that's so disgusting. I know. I I know. You got it's the like, savory and the sweet. What's disgusting about it?
2: <laughs> We're
0: getting a lot of yeses in in the chat. We're getting a lot popular. of yeses.
2: Yeah, no. It's like when bacon started to become popular, it was just like. Who doesn't like bacon? But pineapple on pizza—that just—that no, Mm. no. I don't invite me to that party.
3: I'll I'll be happy. (laughs) happy. Okay, all the pizzas for us. Don't worry about it. We'll get you a cheese slice.
0: (laughs) We're getting a lot of reaction off of that. So see, doesn't have to be about music to get the reaction. See what we did there? All right. Uh, Now everybody, if you've been with us before, at the end, if you feel comfortable. You can turn on your camera. We take our group selfies. We encourage everybody to take a selfie and share on social. This is where we start getting outside of this box over there. And we get to know each other outside of here. And that keeps the communication going further. Um, Also, just a reminder, we've launched our own platform called DIT Community. Eric Alper actually does two-minute tips every Monday. uh, So you can see Eric on there. Free to join ditcommunity.com. We hope to see you there. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Please share the word. This is what we do every Tuesday, and we're here for you. And the community is growing, so uh, jump over to dit. Thank you so much. We'll see you again. Take care, everyone.
1: All right. So that does it for another episode of the Indie Weekly Podcast. We thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this. And if you enjoyed these conversations that we share here on the podcast, then I think you would really love coming to the Indie Weekly webinars. Throughout the year, we're having them every Tuesday. They're always at 4 p.m. Eastern time. That's like New York or Toronto time. And it's all about high level conversations, bringing in experts from all facets of the music and related industries to share their experiences, best practices, tips, advice, really actionable advice with artists. It's all about helping artists boost their own careers, but it's also about community, connecting with each other, connecting with the guests, connecting with Daryl Herz, uh, who always hosts. And best of all, it's free. So go to IndieWeek.com, hit the Indie Weekly tab at the top of the page and see what's coming up. think you'd really enjoy it. Certainly worth your time. We'd love to see you there. And last, but certainly not least, before we go, just one more shout out and thank you to our wonderful sponsors and funders. Uh, Those are Slate Music, CD Baby, CMRRA, Lyric Find, Bandzoogle, The City of Toronto, Global Affairs Canada, Ontario Creates, Factor, Seneca College, SEMA the SOCAN Foundation, and our newest sponsor, Cox & Palmer, provide legal services in Atlantic Canada. We also acknowledge that this project is funded in part by the Government of Canada. So without the support of all of them, us here at Indie Week, we couldn't do what we do to help out and work for the music community. So big thank you to all those companies, organizations, and government bodies. All right, that does it for another week. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a good one.